This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Genesis chapter 45, verse 1. We're going to learn some principles from Joseph, three principles and They're all found here in Genesis chapter 45. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God who speaks. Lord, we want tonight to be a people who listen. So we pray, Lord, help us to hear you as you speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Genesis 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? His brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray thee. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall, be, there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and the lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, go up to my father, say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me a lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, thy children's children, and thy flocks, thy herds, and all thou hast. There will I nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty." Behold, your eyes see, the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall haste and bring down my father hither 
and he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them, and after that, his brethren talked with him. Now, chapter 45, it's such a marvelous chapter, there's just, you don't even know where to start, but one of the things that we can see in this chapter is how great it is because it's the climax of the life of Joseph. Really, the book of Genesis has been moving to this chapter where Joseph is going to bring his brothers to reconciliation with himself and bring his brothers to God. And that's the life purpose of Joseph. It illustrates for us the life purpose of Joseph, Joseph, the life purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. His life purpose was given when the angel told Joseph these words in Matthew 121, Matthew 121, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That was his life purpose. That was the life purpose of Joseph. It all climaxed for him, for Joseph, in verse three, when Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, and he goes on and says, does my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. This was Joseph's reason for living. The French have a saying, raison d'être, the reason for being. This was his reason for being. It has reached its climax here in verse three. You know, something, it's talking about life purpose. Something happened to me about eight years ago that started me to think about my life work. It all happened in Japan. I got Japan on my mind right now. Everything's gonna be Japan. I mean, but at that time, we were in a scientific meeting with a group of endocrinologists, Japanese, obviously they're Japanese, it was in Japan, a group of endocrinologists, and the president of our Scanabodies Japan company, Dr. Miyoga, introduced me when I got up to give a talk by saying, this is Tom Cantor, his life work is parathyroid hormone. Now that statement shocked me because I never heard anyone say about me what my life work was. And when he said my life work was parathyroid hormone, I said to myself, it is? <laughs> I didn't know that. And it, and it was kind of interesting because you know, there was just all these group of people here and I kind of went off into a world of my own. And I asked myself the question, well, wait a second. Would I say my life work was parathyroid hormone? No. Well, then what is my life work? And I know why he said that. It's because we were having a meeting to talk about findings that I made about parathyroid hormone. But when he said that, it challenged me with the question of what is my life work? And I thought to myself, no. My life work is to reach the Jewish people with the gospel. That's my life work. And that's when it fixed in my mind. Now, I know people whose life work is parathyroid hormone, Dr. John Potts, who's the director of research at Harvard Massachusetts General Hospital, um, he's a friend, we published together, his life work is parathyroid hormone. He told me about what that happened, is that when he was young and decided to go into study of parathyroid hormone, he's like the father of parathyroid hormone. Anyway, his, he went to his, his, his mom in Boston and said, Mom, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into a work of, uh, of studying parathyroid hormone. And he told me his mother said to him, that's great, Johnny. When are you gonna finish that work? And, and Dr. Potts said, I hope never. You know, well, anyway, my life work is not parathyroid hormone. But we see here Joseph fulfilling his life work. 
And this scene in verse three here is a challenge to us because it challenges us with the question, what is each one of our life works? What is my life work? That's the question that comes to us. Because within the limits of our short life, and it is short, and there are these limits, there are given to each one of us a life work to finish. And the question for each one of us is, what is it? What is our life work? Now, the Lord Jesus knew what his life work was when he said to the Father in John 17, 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He could have said, I have finished the life work which thou gavest me to do. And when he did cry out those famous words in John 19.30, John 19.30, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That was the finish of his life work on earth. And so then, now, with this in mind, when we look at the Gospels, we can see clearly in the Gospels the start of his life work, the duration or during his life work, and the finish of his life work. And when he finished his life work, the reason for living on earth was over and there was nothing that remained for him to do but to die, which really was his life work, to die for our sins. But when we look at verse three, we can see that there was something that really troubled the brothers of Joseph. It really troubled. And it's clear to us in verse three. It says, they were troubled at his presence. They were troubled at his presence. It was the presence of Joseph that troubled them. It was that Joseph was alive. It was that Joseph was standing before them that really troubled them. You know, for the brothers, we gotta understand, this wasn't a happy reunion. It wasn't like, oh, Joseph, we're so glad to see you again. Have we missed you? And how have you been? And, and we have so much to catch up with. Tell us all about the adventures that happened to you in your life here. It's so good to be with you. Let's never separate again. That wasn't it. What it was, was, oh, Joseph, we thought we got rid of you. We almost killed you with that waterless pit in the desert. We, we sold you into slavery. Slaves never become free in Egypt. We thought we'd never see you again. We thought we gave you the final blow. We are troubled at your presence. That phrase, they were troubled at his presence, is a picture of what it's gonna be like for those who were directly involved in the crucifixion of the Lord, even by jeering him, as we were singing about just now, man of sorrows, what a name, who, and as they jeered him as he was dying, or indirectly, down through the ages, have jeered him by saying, may his name and remembrance be forgotten, which they will be troubled at his presence, and all this being troubled at his presence is seen in Revelation 1.7. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and, all, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the, of the earth shall wail because of, because of him. Even so, amen. So why will they also which pierced him and all the kindreds of the earth wail because of him? Because they'll be troubled at his presence. At his mock trial, when the Lord Jesus went through that mock trial, he was trying to warn them that, that they were gonna be troubled in his presence. He was looking for those who would repent because with the warning, 
uh, that, that he's gonna, there will be trouble in his presence when he said in Matthew 26, 64, Matthew 26, 64, Jesus saith unto him, thou hast said, nevertheless I say unto you, hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now why would they be troubled at his presence? Because the next time they see him, is gonna be Revelation 6.15, Revelation 6.15, the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Troubled at his presence reminds me of a, a true story. There were two mountaineers, two climbers on a mountain, and they were tied together by the rope. And one of them slipped and slid down and went over the cliff. And the other one, and so he's hanging there over the cliff, and the other one couldn't find any, any ground. He couldn't put his, his ax into anything. He couldn't find any ground. And he was slowly moving also toward the cliff as well. So what do you think he did? Took out his knife, and he cut the rope. Now just picture that. His partner is falling to his death so he could be saved. But what he didn't know was that his partner did fall but landed on very soft snow below. And others came and took him to the base camp. Now, if you were that climber that cut the rope and you returned to the base camp and saw your partner alive, how would you feel? <laughs> how would you feel? Troubled at his presence? They were troubled at his presence. Now, in verse five, we can see the specific reaction of the brothers when they saw Joseph. It says there in verse five, as you can see, they were grieved and angry. They were grieved and angry. But verse five further goes on to tell us who they were mad at, who they were angry with. Verse five, now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. They were angry with themselves for the sins that they did when they sold Joseph into Egypt. And what we see in this, verse five, is a picture of what true, real repentance looks like. Repentance always results in a deep grief in the soul and an anger with self. In order for anyone to be saved, He's got to have a verse five experience. There must be this deep grief in the soul and an anger with himself for the sins that he decided to do. This is what separates genuine repentance and conversion. It's deep in the soul from a superficial, verbal only, false conversion. It's this deep grief in the soul and anger with self over the decisions to sin and if there's not a verse five, deep grief in the soul and anger with self over sins, there's just not a genuine repentance. There's not a genuine conversion. You know, after I gave this message, someone came up to me afterward who said, from what you said, I can now see the difference between being a Christian and being saved. Being a Christian and being saved. I wouldn't have said it that way, but that's what it came across. All right. So that's what man does to be converted. Man repents with a deep grief in the soul and a anger with self. And then in the next words of Joseph, we see what God does 
in this conversion process. Joseph could not have been more calming to them. He could not have been more comforting to his brothers than to say that when they sold him as a slave, that it was really, verse five, God did send me before you to preserve life. I mean, once the brothers showed this grief and they had this anger with self, then Joseph steps right in with words to comfort them, to tell them it was really God that was sending him to Egypt, and that's what God does for the sinner. He, that's what God does for the sinner who's grieved and angry with himself. As he said, God said in Isaiah 40, verse one, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. God commands us, comfort the sinner that feels the grief in the soul and the anger with self-comfort. He says in Isaiah 66, 13, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in, in Jerusalem. As one, I mean, think about that. As one whom his mother comforteth, not his father, but his, how does a mother comfort a kid? With the greatest comfort you can imagine, and that's God says, that's a picture of my comfort. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. Now, Joseph next reveals where his heart really is and what he's really concerned about in verse six. In verse six, when he said, these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring, earring nor harvest. This, what this is showing us in verse six is Joseph's mentality. It's showing us Joseph's state of mind. Joseph is very focused on the fact that two years of the famine have passed and there are five years of the famine remaining. So what Joseph is doing here, he has one eye on the past two years and the other eye he's got on the coming five years of famine and he is acutely aware of the fact there's not gonna be any harvest during the next five years. He's looking at the two that have gone and the five that are coming this is a two down, five to go concern. Two down, five to go concern in his life. And this scene with Joseph, with his two down, five to go concern, it's challenging for us personally. I mean, I wonder, do you have a list like I do of lost people that you regularly pray for? Do you have a list like that? You got a list like that? Lost people, yeah, sure you do. And have you ever experienced, as I have, that some of those lost people on your prayer list have died? You ever had that happen? <laughs> just this last week, just a few couple days ago, we had a shock and because in our company, one of our staff who had worked for us for 11 years, was only 44 years old, he died. He died. And it all started one month ago when he was found non-responsive at his desk and we all thought it was all under control when he was discharged from the hospital with a treatment plan, dialysis and so forth, then death came, only 44 years old. And I thought to myself, did he make the decision to be saved? I don't know. But what I do know is that I've spoken at every quarterly breakfast meeting for the company, four times a year. I speak at every Christmas um, meal for the company, and I always try to bring the gospel and I know that the gospel was heard by him but at least 50 times, but the time for the gospel decision, it's now passed away also. It's now over. And so I have experienced, as you have, lost people 
on the prayer list that die. And it's so disturbing when I come down across that to that person to realize, oh, no, no, I can't pray for that one anymore for their salvation because they are now in the post-death eternity. It's already begun. And so, you know, when that first happened to me, when a lost person on my prayer list died, I started to delete that person from my prayer list. And then I decided, no, I won't do that. I'm gonna leave that person's name on my prayer list, even though it irritates me. Because I come across, no, you can't pray for that one. You can't pray for that one. Because it's a reminder for the two down, five to go concern. Two down, five to go. And that's what we see in verse six. So whenever their names appear on the list, it reminds me the short limits that there are with life on earth. It reminds me to pray while I can before the light goes out until I can't pray. It reminds me to witness while I can until I can't. And this short limit, the limits on time, you know, it really came home to me, and being in Japan again reminded me of the times when we would have these full five meetings in a day, business schedule in Japan. And they weren't all at one place. They were in this company or this hospital and that hospital. We're just traversing all over Tokyo and using the subways and the trains and the taxis. And the only problem was that whenever we'd get to some place, it was either a shop or a little stall in the train station, I just became like a kid and became amused with all these things that they have in Japan. I wanted to buy, I, I had to buy the, the handkerchiefs that they were selling there. I had to buy the paper clips. I had to buy the dried squid. I had to buy everything, you know. So I was like, you know, wandering around. We were trying to get this meeting. And, and Dr. Mioga would always go through the same routine. He would say, time is limited. He would go, time is limited. And, and this, is what, this, is, this is what's happening with Joseph here. This two down, five to go concern was Joseph's way of saying time is limited. Time is limited. I mean, I was thinking about this when I was returning from Japan on Friday, and very irritating flights. All the flights are irritating. You know, this is the 13 hours, even though it, you know, they say, when the pilot comes up, says, oh, we got a fast one, we're gonna make it in nine hours, and it's just irritating. Everything's irritating. And sitting out, you can't sleep, and it's, oh, it's gone. Anyway, and so we had arrived there in, in LAX airport. You think there's a lot of people crammed into Japan? There's more people crammed into LAX airport. It's a traumatic experience. Anyway, so we're in this LAX airport and taking the shuttle bus there to the terminal, the regional terminal. And, and there sat across from me a couple. And the man, how many of you remember Simpson's Nursery? Remember Mr. Simpson? Remember what he looked like with the, with the handlebar mustache and all? This man looked like him. It wasn't him. It would look like a rancher with a handlebar mustache. And his wife, she was coiffed. And she didn't look that way. She didn't look like a, a rancher, but they were married. And I noticed that she had an East Coast accent. So I asked her, where is she from? And she said, New York. And I said, from the city? And she said, yes. And I thought, she's from the Holy Land, New York City. And, and, and so I said, are you Jewish? Now, the bus is cram-packed with people and all kinds of people, and she didn't know who I was. She didn't know all the people who were standing around there, and, and she, was, she knew she wasn't in the Holy Land, New York City, so she got frightened. She got a frightened look on her face, and she said with a very low voice, yes, and how did you know? 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.